It's JM in the AM. <laughs> uh, Dr. Alyssa Friedman is with us, and we're laughing because uh, we make a habit of making fake Aliyah every year with Nefesh Benefesh. But she says she was upset that we didn't make the fake Aliyah when she moved to Israel. I guess we missed that flight. One of the only ones we've missed over the years. No, you do one a summer. Yeah, you, you know the routine, I see. We can't get away with anything with you. Dr. Alyssa Friedman is with us, class of 2007 of the Medical School for International Health at Ben Gurion University. Currently a family uh, medicine physician for Klalit in Yud Aleph, Israel. What does that mean, Yud Aleph, Israel? The neighborhoods in Beersheba, yeah. uh, when they started out, they named them Aleph, Bet, Gimel. So the number 11 neighborhood is where I practice. What were we, Dr. Glick? <laughs> what neighborhood number were we in Beersheba and Derech HaMashacharim? Aleph? Wow. It's, the very, the it very separates beginning. Hay and Aleph. That's Got actually it. where we both live, across the street from each other. Very cool. Nice neighborhood. Lovely. Uh, I know it well. Um, so you, when did you decide to go to this medical school uh, after your collegiate career? Uh, well, actually, um, I was saying uh, on the way here, we were reminiscing that uh, I had a classmate from Columbia when I was an undergrad at Columbia who right. was in the second class. Um, and she uh, had selected me for the volunteer ambulance when I was at undergrad at Columbia. And so she had trained me on the ambulance. And then when I came, it came time to apply to medical school, she was finishing up here. And so um, I came and visited with her when I was here visiting family. And she showed me around and uh, introduced me to the director. And I was sold. Were there a lot of Americans here at that time in the uh, medical school? Well, so I was the sixth graduating class. Uh, so at that point when I visited, they, um, the school was about, I guess, about 30 students per class at that time. So there were, there were about 100 and something students here at that time. Now, assuming that what Dr. Jotkowitz described earlier was tradition back then as well, where did you spend your two, three, four months uh, in some different area of the world. So I actually, um, I had decided I was recently married and um, my husband had already made Aliyah. So for us, for our family, it, it made more sense to stay in Israel. Right. And so I actually did mine right in Beersheba and I worked with uh, a physician named Mohammed Murad, who's an uh, Israeli Arab, and he worked with a lot of Bedouins. And so I actually worked with him with the Bedouin population. Um, and I actually wrote a research paper which was published on uh, injuries, pediatric injuries in the Bedouin population. Why, so. why unique to there? Do they have injuries that... Uh, either at a rate or a different type than so we were other communities. So we were characterizing the injuries. And one of the things that we were looking at is, um, you know, it's actually amazing to see the difference in the Bedouin population over the last 15 years since I wrote that paper. But um, we were looking at, um, you know, they had injuries at that time that they, they would have um, fires in their homes that they were still cooking mm. on, a you know, as a cultural thing on a campsite. And so right. they would have injuries related to fires. They would have, I had a, in my case study, I had an injury of a kid fell, fell off a donkey. You know, so things that, um, <laughs> that you know, if we would use American pediatric preventative medicine techniques and we do you know we teach parents in the states about how to prevent injuries wear a seat belt put locks on your cabinets you know all these things that we teach parents they're not applicable to a population that is living in a totally different cultural norm and so we were looking at what kinds of things were, were coming in and and did they come to the primary care physician first or did they go to the er directly and uh, so those were the some and and then we looked at birth order and um, family size was it related to bigger families meant parents were paying less attention or maybe bigger families meant parents had experience and they'd already learned when their first kid fell off the donkey and so by the eighth very kid, they knew interesting how to very it. interesting yeah. and, and obviously what you meant by the comment that 15 years later it's so different is because they've become more advanced and it's and, tech, and, it's and i don't mean complicated technology i mean just basic technology has now gotten into their homes so. uh, it's incredible to see how the bedouin population in beersheba has um, also flourished with beersheba flourishing so have the bedouins and they've become upwardly mobile and we actually my husband and i lived together as newlyweds in beersheba and then went back to the states for nine years and when we came back one of the first things that really stood out to us was how middle class the Bedouins had become. 
Adam and we'd go to restaurants, we'd sit there and 50% of the customers would be Bedouin and 50% would be Jewish and everybody was sitting in the restaurant together enjoying their dinner. And uh, that was something we noticed as a change while we were gone. Dr. Alyssa Friedman is with us as we talk about the uh, Medical School for International Health. Ben Gurion University. What's the makeup of your practice now? Is it also 50-50? How would you describe it? Actually, so the neighborhood that I'm in is um, was built in the 70s, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's a lot of um, Russian immigrants who came in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a lot of older Russian immigrants who have basic Hebrew. Um, some of them may, may not read in Hebrew, but they um, but they speak conversationally because the ones who don't speak Hebrew, and there are quite a few who still don't really speak Hebrew, oh, wow. they go to the Russians because we have five Russian doctors. Out of the eight attending physicians in my practice, five of them speak Russian. Sure. So, <laughs> so I, I tend to get the ones who uh, speak Hebrew. Um, but I also have, um, I think, I'm not sure the exact number, but I think about 20 or 30%, maybe even 40, um, that are Ethiopian immigrants who have come over the last 20 years. Um, and that's actually a fascinating population to work with, especially with my background from the Medical School for International Health, because um, actually a lot of them don't even read or write in, in Amharic or Tigrit, their, their native languages. So they're totally illiterate, and it totally changes the way I um, relate to them. One of the things I love to do is to give printed material to patients to go home with so that they can remember the things I said, or maybe I don't have you know time to say they come in for a common cold. And instead of, I don't want to give them an antibiotic because they don't need an antibiotic. It's contraindicated. But I, I want them to go home feeling like I treated them. So I, I often print out information about how to manage cold symptoms and, um, and when to come back. The problem is they can't read the information, right. even if I give it. To, so sometimes I translate, Google translated it into Amhari. So sometimes I give it to them in Amhari and hope somebody in the house reads. Um, sometimes I just have to spend more time and just explain to them. But it really it changes entirely how I manage my patients. I would suspect, and not that I know that much about medicine, but I would suspect that people from a population like theirs would not trust doctors as much as educated people, those who know how to read, etc. Would you encounter that a lot where you might want to do a basic procedure or something what we would consider normal to do to test a child for something and they're very suspicious of what's going on? Um, I would say that, first of all, you have to remember that most of the patients I'm treating have been in Israel right. for already several several even decades. They did so that transition already. They've done some of that transition. They, I think the more the more distrust comes from the idea that we kind of blow off. They have a feeling that they're discriminated against. And so they feel like we don't take them seriously. We don't really care. And so I definitely have spent a lot of energy. Um, you know, it's a primary care practice. So I see the same patients, the same families over and over again. Right. Um, so I have spent a lot of energy trying to build trust with them and make sure that they feel that I'm really listening to them, that I really care, that I speak to their children on the phone to make sure to help. I use, uh, when I have 70, 80, 90-year-old Ethiopians which I do. I call their 40-year-old children who speak fluent Hebrew, and I explain to them too so that we are all um, communicating together. Um, and actually, they pay me huge compliments, like saying they feel like I'm their mother, and these are 80-year-old <laughs> men telling me I'm their mother. I, I, apparently, it's some cultural expression that hasn't quite translated. <laughs> uh, well, not very different than other cultures where, where when you're taking care of an elderly parent, very often the doctor will be in touch with you directly because the elderly parent, again, either has suspicions or is not happy with the care for whatever reason, you know, not sometimes elderly people could be a little bit unreasonable, you know, things like that. (laughs) Uh, Dr. Freeman, here's your, where are you from in the United States? Poughkeepsie, New York. Poughkeepsie? Actually Beacon, but nobody has ever heard of it. Is that near Brewster? Where is that? It's north. North of Brewster? Yeah, it's about, Beacon is 60 miles north of New York City. Here's your opportunity. Here's your opportunity to speak to the young women who are in this audience uh, who are considering going to medical school or considering this type of career or considering uh, practicing medicine somewhere in the world, somewhere on this globe, 
once they've completed their studies? What would you tell them about MISH? I, I very much struggled, actually, as a young woman graduating Columbia. I struggled with the idea of, is that... MSIH, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I struggled with that. Is it an appropriate role for me? Is that what I, how I wanted to build my life? Would I have time to be a, a mother and, and uh, a partner? And um, and actually, I feel incredibly fulfilled at this point. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm 41 this year. I have three children. I have a wonderful husband who's extremely supportive. And I really feel like I, I, I'm so blessed to go... We all go to work every day. And to go to work and do something that you're passionate about, that you enjoy joy that's fun is is an incredible gift and uh, and thank God I think one of the major stumbling blocks we had in coming back to Israel and, and envisioning ourselves staying in Israel was was financial and we thought that as a doctor I wouldn't make money and the truth is I'm making pretty darn close to what I was making in the states which blows my mind regularly and uh, we feel incredibly blessed that we um, that we're able to build a life here and that I'm able to do something that I'm passionate about and make a difference and other young women out there who are absolutely who are considering it, they you would encourage them to check out this path. Particularly because I chose family medicine, I'm home every night. I have two evening calls a week where I work until seven, and then the the rest of the evenings I'm home for dinner, and I don't take call. I'm not I don't work on Shabbos, although we do have the neighbors have discovered us, and now they show up on Shabbos all the time. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, there's some people in the U.S. that have made an industry out of that, you know, <laughs> being being available and no one else's. No kidding. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, well, well, a couple of things we learned. Uh, number one, as you just described it, you could have fun being a primary care physician. I, I never it. knew. I knew you could have fun doing radio. I had no clue you could have fun <laughs> being a primary care physician. And you uh, discovered that we did miss your Aliyah flight, so I apologize for that. It's okay. This, this makes up for it. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Dr. Alyssa Friedman, everybody. Amazing. Great graduate of, um, of the Medical School for International Health at Ben Gurion University. And I thank her very, very much for being here today among our special guests during this hour of JM and the AM.